Good morning, church. Hey, so good to see you guys this morning. How you guys doing? Man, um, I was walking back there <clears throat> during worship, and just sometimes I like to just change positions and, and just sense what God is doing. And as I was walking back there, Marilyn was like, there's just such a sweet presence in the room, wasn't there? Just something so sweet. Um, God loves you. And I just welcome you. If, you. if this is your first time coming, my name's Zach, and I have the privilege of being campus pastor at this church. Thank you. Um, and it's just our heart that you feel seen and known and loved not only by us, but more importantly, by Jesus. So thank you for being here. Um, just as a quick reminder right off the bat, uh, as we saw, feature presentation is happening next week. And so for the next three weeks, we're gonna be doing feature presentation. That's a little context for that. Basically, so Jesus, as we know in the Gospels, uh, presented the truth of the kingdom, this invasion of heaven to earth, in a lot of ways through a story and through parables. We know this, right? And so we're doing something similar. We're just following our king and doing something similar. We're using movies to sort of be a vehicle for the message of the gospel. And I really think this is a really awesome opportunity for us to invite people who don't normally come to church. It's like, yo, we're watching Spider-Man, and there's going to be some truth, but it's going to Spider-Man popcorn, and there's going to be Coke, and you should come, and it's going to be really fun. It's just a really relatable bridge for people who don't really have a context for a church and stuff like that. So I want to just encourage you, text somebody, call somebody, maybe call like seven people, um, and just like, hey, come check this out. This is the church I've been going to. This is the family that I believe in. God comes. Would you, you don't have to say all that, but just, hey, we're having a feature presentation. Uh, we're going on a tangent. Um, but I just want, I want us to be a people that are just unashamed to share our faith, you know? And we could do it in a really relatable way. But when we see the Father in heaven, it's like, did you share your faith? I, I did. <laughs> and maybe feature presentation can be an, an option to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today we continue in a, our teaching series called Surrender Solution. Have you guys been enjoying this? We've been on this journey and we're trying to discover and explore this concept of disciple making and answering this question, what is, what is required of us as we follow Jesus? What are some of the things that come along with this idea of following Jesus? And so this all began with this slowly, the slow unveiling of the surrender solution cycle. And, uh, Pastor Ross Parsley, I've been mentioning this all along, but he has been carrying this, this kind of revelation, this idea, this creative idea in his heart, almost like as this map to help us navigate uh, this life of following Jesus. And so I want to show you just that, that graph. We'll put that up there. Nope, that's, that's not it. Uh, the sur <laughs> that one, there you go. Thank you. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's, that's the surrender solution cycle. And we've been walking through these. And so we've kind of been talking about all of these facets or puzzle pieces to this. And kind of like just as another <clears throat> uh, promotion or just to tell you guys about this, it is our heart to turn this into an app. 
And so we want to be able to picture those almost as buttons. And so you press that and then you get into the world of vulnerability and you have all the resources and we're gonna have a lot of questions and practices like what are the spiritual disciplines of vulnerability, for example? And so it's gonna be really expansive. I'm excited for that. It's like, how do we walk this life of following Jesus? This will help us. So we went all the way around clockwise and many of you guys know like the themes within the middle and then all the way around. And today, guess what? We are on the last one. We are on the last one. Today, we are going to be talking about influence. Influence. And so we've been overlapping, <clears throat> excuse me, just as a sidebar. I'm dealing with a little bit of a cold, so bear with me, um, but it'll be all good. Um, and so we've been, um, whereas, yeah, so we're, we've been overlapping the last three sections or activities with the concept of legacy, uh, because that's what they create. If we live out these kingdom activities of serving habits or spiritual disciplines and influence, it will create legacy. Uh, many, many of you guys know my story, but for those of you who don't, I, before I was a pastor, I spent three years as a full-time missionary with Youth With a Mission, um, YWAM, commonly known, and it was an interdenominational, decentralized movement of young people doing missions all around the world with the focus of discipleship. Um, and it was wild and it was so fun. And one of the things that we did um, is on base, every so often, we would have these things where this, this, this certain night where we would, we would serve each other and we had this, this ritual where we'd serve each other through giving to each other. It was called a generosity night. And so it was like, picture this. It's like um, maybe the whole base is probably about 300, 400 people in an, an auditorium. We're, we're playing worship. We're worshiping God. And the heart is to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to just be radically generous. <laughs> and there's a lot of people, in like, in, 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 you know, when you're a missionary, there's a lot of people who have, and there's a lot of people who don't have, you know, because we're all like sponsored. And so it was like, Lord, what do you have? What do you want me to do? I remember the first time I went and just being like, I don't know, what's, I don't know what is about to happen, but I feel electricity in my body. Like, I, what is this concept of generosity that I've never tapped, it, tapped into? Like, I feel so alive and so invigorated, and I feel like I, there's a new level of trust that is being kind of like broached. And guys, I remember once, like that first time I was like, I don't have my checkbook. I, don't have, I just remember running back to my dorm room and being like grabbing my checkbook and like my shoes and like whatever. I was like, I'm just going to give it all away. Um, and there is, there is people who would give hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. And when you're a missionary, that's like a lot. That's like all you have. You, you live off of basically $12,000 a year as a missionary. And so to give that much is like giving away your whole life savings. People were lit literally giving away their cars to each other and to the base. And it was just wild. I don't know if you've ever had like, if you've ever conceived a, a worship night like that, but it was incredible. It just reminded me of what the church was like in Acts 2. You know, just like this sharing, what is mine is yours and you're giving to me. And it was awesome. It was like what I think the community of Christ should look like from time to time. Radical generosity. So I tell this story because on December 11th, we're going to be doing something similar. I, I want to do something like that. I wonder if we could ever do that. But 
one chapel has been doing this rhythm, this habit of the legacy offering. I wanna point that out on December 11th. We're gonna be doing something similar with this heart. Father, what do you have for us? You've, everything I have belongs to you. So what do you want me to give away? Maybe the question is, what do you want me to like, hold on to because everything else is gonna go? So um, this challenges the ethos of the American mindset. So allow yourself to be challenged, disagree with it. It's okay, empower you to just disagree. But we believe that it is the way of the Christ follower to be generous. And so that's what we do. Some of the things that is on our heart for this legacy offering is some renovations in our building. We wanna be good stewards of this property that we inherited. Uh, we did some stuff last year. I would love to like triple that, maybe do even more than that. I wanna to continue to bless this corridor to be like a beacon of mercy and light and generosity in this area. I wanna to continue to support missions. I wanna equip missionaries to send them off both local, international. Uh, Pastor Ross would love to make one chapel a storehouse in case of disaster um, and just kind of be ready or just be good stewards of these things. And so I'm telling you all this stuff because I simply want you to do one thing and that's to pray about it. To just pray, ask the Lord what to give for this leg legacy offering. Mm, I love water. <laughs> And it's, and it's not my heart, it's not our heart to pressure you or to force you into anything, but I do think that it, it invites us to step into our identity as a people of radical generosity. So just pray about it. Would you guys just pray about it? Would you be open to doing that? Yeah. We'll ask the Lord, what do you want me to give? And then simply do what he says. That's, that's it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's jump into the teaching today. Today we're gonna be talking about influence. Let's pray and get our hearts kind of ready for this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We just come to you as children. We come underneath the authority of your word. We ground ourselves on the truth of your word. Thank you for preserving it. All of these millennia. Um, we just thank you for all the people that are coming here. And so just people who are carrying things, we lay this down at your feet. Um, and we just allow our hearts to be good soil to receive the seeds of life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So influence, what comes to mind when I say influence? Influence, you know, it's a, uh, yes, Instagram, I heard somebody. Influence or, you know, it's kind of a buzzword. Um, I went to a leadership conference and it was like influence, influence, like leadership equals influence. And then of course there's influencer. We all know that. This is buzzy. It's like buzzy language, it's everywhere, whether it's with social media, you know, Instagram, or TikTok, or YouTube. Man, there's like a whole stream of like being productive where like these MD doctors are literally quitting their jobs and just doing influencing on YouTube, right? And just teaching, it's so interesting. So according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, an influencer is one who exhorts, exerts influence, a person who inspires or guides the actions of others. And secondly, a person, maybe more specifically in, in this context here with as we know it, um, is a person who is able to generate interest in something, such as a consumer product, by posting about it on social media. You guys know about that, influencers, right? People are, some of these, the top influencers will post a product and they will get up to a million dollars for one post. So, so people are making a lot of money 
off of being an influencer. So Rachel and I uh, just got back from New York City last night and it was phenomenal, man. It was like so cool. We were, were a part of a cohort of pastors uh, called Sea Rock and it's from all of North America. And uh, we just want, we believe that we need to unite in unity as pastors to engage this cultural moment and the state of affairs for the church moving forward. You know, as many of you guys know, we are, on the, we are on the cusp of a new intellectual paradigm. We're coming out of late modernity into post-modernity and where, you know, secularism is taking over. There's an invasion of our religious norms, right? And we know this. It's just becoming more and more normal to be secular. So that's, that's another s- subject. But we got to go there and we got to be equipped. And um, I have some stories that I'd love to share with you from our time there. Thank you for being a church that believes in equipping your pastors and refreshing us and aligning us with people who are gonna be holding the torch, I think, moving forward, along with many other streams. But so we're, we're, we're in New York City, and so we're like here uh, to be equipped, to be, to be refreshed, to be trained. And we're also there to eat some good food. Um, Man, some seriously good food in New York. Uh, my favorite thing is soup dumplings. I've never had a soup dumpling before, but a picture like this Chinese like delicacy, it's a dumpling with this beautiful soup inside and there's meat in there and it just like, oh, it's so succulent, it's so good. Soup dumplings, I'm just voting for that. Um, so, so, so good, like so many just great um, memories and stuff like that. So, we're, so in New York, as we know, as you know, like you walk everywhere. I probably walked miles and miles and miles, it's crazy. And, but while we're walking, you had to kind of move around everyone on their phone, taking photos and taking like reels for Instagram or videos and stuff like that. People fashion, like fashion people, people out in the cold, wearing hardly anything, taking a picture, their devotion to this stuff is crazy you know, architecture, all of the, the influencers is what I'm getting at. There was even this one lady who had a phone and the skyline behind her, and then she had a puppet in her hand, like this furry little goblin puppet, and she was like taking pictures of it like this. And I remember just being like, kind of like, really? Okay. Like, and kind of making fun of it. But she probably has like 200,000 followers on Instagram, making a whole bunch of money, some weird stuff out there. But my point is, like, it's just the influencer thing is really, really common, especially in the progressive cities like New York. They're a little bit ahead, uh, for better or worse. So some data from a recent survey shows that 41% of New York Gen Zs intend on becoming an influencer in the future. Almost half of this whole generation, we're talking about from 8 to 23, are planning, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be an influencer. And so whether we scoff at this idea or we celebrate it, it points to something underlying in the human condition in our cultural moment. People are drawn to influence. People are moved by influence, right? And this idea of influencing people and influencing culture is a part of our, our reality and it really always has. It's just taken different modes. And so I think it's important to ask, is God asking us to influence in the first place? Is God asking us to influence? And if so, what does that look like? What should that look like? Turn your Bibles to um, 1 Timothy or your phones. It should be on the Bible app as well. Or open up your eyeballs because it'll be on the screen as well. (laughs) 
So a little bit of context for the book of, of 1 Timothy. It's an epistle, which is a book of the Bible written in a letter form from the apostle Paul to his apprentice in the faith, Timothy. And so Timothy had a devotion. Um, he had a holy ambition to be uh, a minister and a servant of the church. He had his issues, but he had a burning inside him to see um, the gospel expand. And so Paul took him under his wing and discipled him. And in this time, he actually ended up sending him and commissioning to be a pastor in different places. And one of the places is where we find Timothy in this setting, in 1 Timothy, which is in Ephesus. And Ephesus is like the equivalent of like Austin, but probably even bigger at the time. It's a metropolitan city. It is extremely spiritually complex. There's a lot going on. The Temple of Artemis is there. This is one of the most significant kind of like culture influencing things at the time um, the, where, where there was like, you know, temple prostitution and all this stuff. So this is emanating within the society. There's also uh, in, the, in, in this context, there are uh, women who are in Ephesus who have come into the church who are f- preaching false doctrine and dressing up to a point where they were like kind of, it was like uh, dist- maybe distracting as being ch- charitable. And so Paul addresses some of this stuff in the book. It's like, no, they can't do that. Here are all these other things. And so there's, and not to mention, John the Beloved is probably in this church. And so there's a lot of things happening, and that's a good thing, but there's a lot of things happening. So this young pastor is in this context. And, and so it's like, how do you influence this fast, dense current that is Ephesus and this church? And so this is where we pick things up in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And just side, just pause right there. At the time, Timothy's probably in his 30s and Paul is probably in his 70s, so young is relative. But there is something about that that is worth mentioning. It's just like he was looked down on because he was in his 30s, um, even though Jesus was in his 30s. But that's more context. But, and we continue, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. And so is God calling us to influence? Yes, he is. So let's talk about what that looks like. We just kind of mentioned it here. And when we look at this verse, I think we see one expression of, or you know, one expression, this list is one expression of spiritual or kingdom influences uh, that we want to take on as attributes to ourselves. I want you to check out this first graph here, this slide. And basically, these are the things that Paul mentioned. I left out a couple for the sake of time, but these are some central things. And so, I want to point out that logos is there instead of speech because that's the word in the Greek. And I think it has a more robust meaning I think would be helpful to us. And so as mentioned, we have logos, conduct, love, faith, purity, and teaching. And go to the next slide. This is when they work together, this carries a potent spiritual and kingdom influence that the Apostle Paul is giving to Timothy and I think to us as well. And so I'd love for us to just march through these a little bit. Spiritual, king, spiritual, and, uh, spiritual and kingdom influence is about setting an example in these six things. So the first one, 
is speech or logos. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, if you want to turn there, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. It's an interesting cascade of that. Like he's speech that gives birth to more speech that helps people, right? And so the way we speak to people has a, truly has a profound impact and influence, doesn't it? Man, there's so much power in what we say. And so when we communicate love and respect and maturity and self-discipline, it's, it's quite different than when we communicate selfishness and disrespect and foolishness and laziness. All, all of these things are within speech. We can influence one in one way or another. So we, ultimately, we can build people up or we can tear them down. And so as mentioned, this word speech is logos, and it also can mean word, principle. Think word as in John 1, right? God is, Jesus is the word. That's logos. So word, principle, reason. It's the same word for reason in the Greek, or thought. All of this in logos. And I really want to kind of highlight thought. I think it makes sense because our speech is an overflow of our thoughts, right? So how can, we, how can we be an example? If we're trying to like, okay, Paul, I want to be an example. I want to be influential in the ways of the kingdom and spirituality. And I want to be an example with my speech if my thoughts are all jacked up, right? If my thoughts are kind of negative. And so just quick pointer is it's just a friendly reminder that our thoughts are life-giving. Our thoughts are life-giving towards God, towards ourselves, and towards others. It's so easy to just kind of like not do that, right? And so it's a reminder to speak kindly to yourself. We can be our harshest critic. And so be gracious to yourself. And the overflow of that will be to speak with influence for the ways of Jesus. Number two is conduct. And so our actions, as we all know, especially parents, our actions always speak louder than our words. This is really what it's all about. It's, we can say one thing, and that's important, but it's really, are we living that out? What's our behavior like? First, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's kind of bold if you think about it, but I think it's, there's something true about it. I'm like, am I living in such a way that it's like, come and follow me as I follow Jesus. This, this is the way we should, should live. And it really depends on how we're acting, right? How we're responding, how we're reacting. And so this is one of the best ways that we influence and we exemplify influence is by what we do. We influence by what we do. Number three, love, love. Man, this one is its own message. <laughs> we've, I think we know the importance and power that lies within love to influence, to influence in the direction of life. You know, nothing influences people more than, than, loving, and, than loving your neighbor with the love and level of Jesus. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new command I give you. This is a new command now. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So much in there. How, how can we best demonstrate our love for God? Loving others. 
I think it's so easy to just be like, oh, I love you, God. I'm not, I have my personal relationship with you. I, like, you know how much I like read the Bible plan or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are great things. Those are great things. Well done if you do that. But are we loving our neighbor? Are we loving the person that's hard to love? Are we loving the one who hurt us? Are we loving the one who, who pricked us? You know, <laughs> Are we loving the one when we're tired or whatever the case may be? This is an expression of how to love God. Let me love, love my neighbor. And just as a reminder to all of us, including myself, our first neighbor is our family. And sometimes we can be the harshest and the hardest on our family. So we love one another with people who are closest. That's our first neighbor. And then those in our life, right? Number four is faith. We're called to influence by exemplifying faith and faithfulness. You know, I, what I've realized in life is that people want to believe. There is something naturally compelling about believing. It might be believing in the wrong thing, but people don't want to just be dead. Like they want, to, they want to believe in something. There is something contagious about someone who has conviction and confidence and courage and has lived it out and live it. Like there's congruity with what they say and with the way they live. And they, they have a faith, right? It's influential. You see these people. I, uh, so at, at Sea Rock, we, we did a lot of our training at a church called the Church of the City. And uh, John Tyson is like a hero of mine. I got to meet him for the first time, f- fangirled all over her, him. Um, but I just find him like, he, ha- he has a heart for discipleship, mission, like discipleship when I say spiritual formation, mission, and the Holy Spirit, like in the presence of Jesus. And he just, he embodies it in such a way. So he recently hired somebody it's kind of cool. So, they, so we, our, our, our um, values are presence, relationship, and mission, right? You guys know that? And theirs is actually presence, spiritual formation, and mission. Very similar, um, I think, accidentally. But he has hired his team, he's created his team to have like these executives over each part. <laughs> and so the, he just hired the executive of, of presence. Now, I want that title. Um, <laughs> But he, um, he is also the prayer director and he oversees prayer. And it also oversees worship. Worship is actually just the other side of the coin of prayer. And, that, and I think that's the way it should be actually. And I'm learning, I'm learning that. And, and prayer oversees the volunteers. It's not a separate thing. It's just like prayer is everywhere. And the, like after you, you like make coffee, it's like, okay, where, did, where is the Holy Spirit leading? You know, it's just like, even though you're just making coffee, Holy Spirit cares about that stuff. So the, this guy, his name is Samuel. And I just kind of talked to him for a few seconds and he was telling me about a prophecy that's going on around the globe. And maybe many of you guys have heard it. It was the first time I heard it, but it makes, it definitely resonated. And it was like, the sun is setting with the age of King Saul but the sun is rising with the age of King David. And so there is something happening in the church. There is a pruning happening, but there is this, this desperation to see intimacy take place again. I will, make, I will make a temple for you, God. Like you will have preeminence right here. And I will, there's a bridal glory that's increasing within the church. It's not about like, oh, all of my military might and look at all the ways that I can do church and all this. It's more like, no, it's intimacy. It's like covenant keeping, these promises. And so he's telling me about all this stuff. And I'm just like feeling the white hot fire that was within him. 
Like, have you ever met someone you're just like, you are so sold out. I don't understand. Christianity is not just like a side thing for you. This is, you're burning. You're all flame. Like, it's just, and, and I was just like getting ignited just by talking to him. And I was like, I didn't know I was this cold. Like, I just didn't know that I just had a little ember. Like, I'm seeing this raging fire of a man who's in front of me. It's not because of him. It's just he's so surrendered. (laughs) And it's like this faith inside of him was like, oh, my Jesus, like, forgive me. I want this. It's contagious. It's influential. I want us to be that those burning hearts for Jesus so we can ignite the love of God all over this place. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to me, to him, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So much in this little line, but it just shows that it's actually impossible to please God without faith. Everything we do needs to be in faith, but it also, if we invert that, faith obviously pleases God. And I think one of the main reasons why it pleases God is because it ignites other people to take steps in their own faith. And that's what he wants, right? Multiplication for the flame of the Holy Spirit to spread around the world. Amen? Amen. Five, purity. Purity. You know, um, I think this can... I was doing a little bit of research on just like the context. And I think this could include just a purity of heart. Uh, We're talking about in terms of... uh, Consecration. I'm just like, I am singular in my devotion to God. I don't have these other idols or they, I'm worshiping other things or like that. But, it, but I think in context with Artemis, with temple prostitution being like enculturated and like kind of s- spreading its nasty fingers all over the, the society, this is purity in, in terms of sexuality. It's like set an example of purity, especially with all of these things where temple prostitution was normative. This is influential. I'm going to get real with you real quick. You guys okay with that? I remember the first time I saw a pornographic image. And I was 10 years old. And I was um, in my backyard, actually a side yard. And a neighborhood friend had torn out a couple images out of a magazine. And I remember looking at it and just being like filled with adrenaline, filled with um, shame and kind of like attraction and disgust. And it was just all over. I just remember just feeling it all over. And uh, I was only 10 years old. And there, there weren't many, many times um, in the years afterwards that I, that I witnessed or looked at pornographic images, uh, maybe 10 times probably in the next 10 years. So it wasn't a habit, but it still wasn't good, you know, for, for a person. But... The crazy thing about it is in the first 20 years of people nowadays, just let alone like after that, but just in the first 20 years, it's so normal for for people to watch thousands and thousands of images and videos. It's just in the first 20 years of their life, right? Rewiring their their whole brain, literally. And it's not to mention like it's demonic, I'm, it's, I'm sorry, but it's, it's false worship. And so it's demonic. And, we, and, like, and so I, there's so much grace for this, but this is like the reality. There is, there, there, the sexual revolution it has literally poisoned a whole generation. And, I, and I've drank the poison too. You know, I don't speak separate. And it's a genocide of, of innocence. 
and it's, it's all over the place. And so, especially in this time, because of the age of technology, it is even more pervasive now than ever before. And so, what can be most counterculturally influential? It is sexual purity. Why are you not doing that? Like, and maybe they don't, they can't compute it at first, someone who's like outside of the Christian context, but there is gonna be something soulful and spiritual. The part of them that's made in the image of God, they're like, I'm compelled by that. There is something deeply influential about that. And so the thing though with, with just to, to harp on this a little bit longer, like the, the problem with this, this, this problem of pornography in particular, but just sexual immorality, it has two, two main central problems. And I think there's many, but I want to point out two. The first one is that you can't, you can't, you have a hard time seeing God. We will have a hard time seeing God. When I have engaged in those things, it's hard to see God clearly. In Matthew chapter five, verse eight, it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And so if we are engaging in those things, it's gonna distort our lens. We can't see God. It's like the, if the, the inverse logic is true. And so we stop seeing our father. We stop seeing the source of life and the, and the one who knows us and loves us the most. This is gonna bring some destruction. And secondly, is it deforms us out of the image of God and it distorts us out of the image of God into the image and brokenness of the world. And so there's a deformation in contrast to transformation, it deforms us. And so some of the things that include with this deformation, I made this list, you put that up. And so wounds, deep wounds. We end up having, we like inflict or, you know, not all of it has been, has, has been our own volition. Some of it's been done to us, but wounds, lies. We start living lies and we basically, it's set up a matrix of delusion and lies and idols. These are like false gods, addictions, excess. The world becomes our standard. Satan becomes enthroned, whether we know it or not. We start to live out of a false self and sin. We become um, encaged by sin. But how many of you guys know that there's good news? Jesus came to bring good news. Jesus has died on the cross for you and me. <laughs> Praise God, I need you, Jesus. Like, I need him. Like, I was sitting in a worship, I was like, Lord, I need you. I just need you so desperately. And so this doesn't have to be your story. It, it's, it's not actually your story. Your story is being rewritten with the, the pen, like the ink in the pen of your story is the blood of Jesus, and he's rewriting your story. And so instead of these things, there's counterformation that needs to take place. Counterformation, and I'm taking this language from John Tyson in Church of the City, because it's not only formation, it's like you got to be counterformed from the ways of the world or spiritual formation as we know it. And so here's this list. Where there are wounds, there is now healing. Where there are lies, there's truth. Where there were idols, there's pure worship. Where there were addictions, there's freedom in Jesus' name. Where there is ex excess, there is self-control, the world, the kingdom, and Satan, Jesus, the false self to the true self, and sin to righteousness. This is what's possible through Jesus. This is why we worship him. And this is influential. When we, I was broken, but now I'm on the path of counterformation. 
I have my wounds being healed. <laughs> I'm that story. Like I have deep wounds. I have deep hurts from my own sin, from sin that I've committed and sins that committed to me. But I am on the journey to purity and transformation. This is what it's all about. We do this together. This is influential, transformation and purity. And then lastly, teaching, teaching. Colossians chapter one, verse 28. He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So good. You know, the word, um, the word teach also can be translated as direct. And so these are the same, same root word here as train or direct. And so to be a good teacher, what does it necessitate to be a good teacher? One of the things. Well, there's probably a lot of options. I'll just tell you. Uh, you have to be a good learner, right? It's hard to be a good teacher if you're not a good learner. And to be a good director, back to the word of direct, to be a good director, you have to have good directions, right? Excuse me. So what are some of the primary places as, as Christ followers that we find that we can learn and find direction in life. What comes to mind? The Word of God. That is, I have a list, and that is number one, I think. It's just so clear. It's just, here it is, it's black and white, and then the Holy Spirit breathes on it, and it comes alive in our hearts. This is the truth, right? And God has been preserving the Word for millennia, and people have been dying at the stake to, to pervert, to pervert, per, Proverb it, to uh, preserve it. And, um, and, and it's the most criticized and validated piece of literature in all time. We know this. And so we go to the word of God. It is our authority and truth because it's written by truth, by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. Secondly is the Holy Spirit, right? We get, we learn and we get direction from the Holy Spirit. We hear his voice. We feel his conviction by the way, if you're like, I don't know if I hear God's like, voice. Like, I need to learn how to do that. Do you feel conviction? That's God. So you do hear from God, and it just grows from there. But he is, our, he is also called our teacher, our counselor. And then third is church history. Um, I read a book called Water from a Deep Well. Highly recommend it. You read it, and you're just like nourished deep in your bones spiritually. And it's talking about like the different streams within church, his, church history, starting off with the martyrs, with the apostles, right? Just what was the life like that where they were like running for their very life, but a lot of the time running right into the hard places <laughs> and some martyrs. And then there was like these times of the mystics who were pursuing intimacy with God on a deeper level. And of course, missionaries and many others. And it's just so good to learn from them. How did they course correct? Like, what were some of the heresies that were coming in and trying to, like, infect the church? And how did they stay in line within the trajectory of the apostles originally set, right? So we, we need church history. It is good. Church history is good. And then lastly is the local church. This is us. This is the importance of get, gathering together. Yes, you can go online and you can, you can tithe online. You can watch that speaker who's better than me, whatever. But there is, there, you're missing out on spiritual covering, you're missing out on actual pastoral care, you know, and you're missing out on each other and you're missing out on spiritual mothers and fathers and you're missing out on you being that. So we, we present, we get 
taught and we learn and we get direction from all these things. And then it equips us to then do that and be influential. Amen? I hope that's helpful. I'm going to call up Gabrielle. We're going to move to a close here. And so I want us to um, just to maybe just answer this question with that last part about teaching. Am I, am I learning and being directed um, more from the world and from work or from people on social media or TV more than God and his people? <laughs> maybe another way we can ask is like, where am I? Because I think we all are. I mean, we're all being discipled. Like there is a war for our hearts. It's a war for my heart. Where will I learn and be directed from? I want to pull up that last slide of the, yeah. And so just practically, this is a practical message for us. If you're like having a hard time with doing things, with your conduct, go back to your thoughts and the reasoning and like the logos and your words that you speak over yourself. And that will help you. If you're having a hard time with your thoughts, go to good direction and good teaching. And if you're having a hard time with teaching, I don't really know, I don't even wanna listen. Maybe you should go back to purity and just check your heart. And that can continue. It's like, well, I'm having a hard time being pure. Well, maybe I should just go back to my faith. (laughs) And just like access, through faith, access the grace that Jesus died for. Right? And if I'm having a hard time with faith, it's like, I'm just going to sit and I don't have faith, but I'm going to sit and wait for God to love me. And I promise you, He will if you just open your hearts. Even with just like a little mustard seed, love will come. And so you see how they cooperate, and it just, there's a synergy there, and I want it, and I want to be this kind of influential. It doesn't look like the world, it looks like a lot of this stuff. And so to close, I, I just want us to give ourselves a little permission to slow down, maybe allow myself to slow down. Just stop and pause in God's presence. And maybe to do that, you can just like allow your body to cooperate, right? And so we just like close our eyes or put our hands like this or put your hand on your heart. Posture yourself into a place of meditation and rest, contemplation. Yeah, take a deep breath in. So in this place, I just want us to, you know, this, the psalmist, I think it was David, he's just like, search my heart. God, would you search our hearts? And if you're willing, just allow God to search your heart. Where have you been missing the mark when it comes to your thoughts and your speech? Where have we been missing the mark with conduct? Are we living it out with love? Am I reserved? Am I, you know, am I conditional, transactional? My faith with my purity. I'm sure this is a big one for for many of us. And teaching. Am I teaching? Am I investing? Am I learning? Am I giving? And so, Lord, in this place, we just come to you in prayer and we place ourselves before you. We know that we're in your loving hands, that you're the great physician. You're here to cut out the bad stuff and to put a new heart, new blood, new story, 
new power. And so would you speak and lead us? Where have we gone wrong? And would you lead us in the right direction in this place? Yeah, just take a moment to think about that with God. So Lord, we just come back to you. We trust you. Saw this picture while we were staying here. I got this picture, this vision of a mountain ridge and how it's so cleansing and the fresh air of like the Alpine or something, just this unadulterated fresh air of the Holy Spirit to just breathe on you, to refresh you, to bring cool where there's discomfort to bring purity, like this, like this pure land back to your heart. And that it's so expansive and that you're in his care. And there's this telescopic kind of nature of the mountain ridge. Like it's just like, don't worry, there's so much for you. There's so much to still do. Just be at rest, be refreshed. And so we're going to, just have an opportunity for us to just close or to respond with some worship. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna call the prayer team up here. And if you, would you guys rise if you feel comfortable? So we're just gonna lean into some worship and um, allow God to lead our hearts. Uh, this is a pretty unplanned portion right here. And so maybe uh, we just believe in the activity of empowered love through the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe in, in prayer. We believe in deliverance. We believe in all of these things. And so this is a, a space to um, just kind of have that fire being blown, like just to kind of catch that fire, right? And so let's worship and let's respond. If, there's a, if you want prayer for anything, I want to encourage you to come up. Um, so let's, let's worship and let's be led by the Holy Spirit in this place for a few more minutes.